Hey everyone, this is Carly bringing you the latest episode of the Lift 3 podcast. We've got episode 5 uh, bringing you health outside the gym. I found this really interesting. Uh, the boys and myself basically talked all things sleep, nutrition, mental health, um, just literally talking about um, how we can best look after ourselves when we are not in the gym. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. If you do have any questions you'd like us to do an episode on, make sure you get in contact. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're always up for different ideas. All right. So today we're going to go into health outside the gym. We all love and miss the gym right now, but there's a lot of time outside outside of that that we should be focusing on and there's probably a few areas that we can go into to give some good action points out there. So, um, Brad, do you want to go first? What, what kind of – what high-level priorities do you think people should be focusing on for their health outside the gym? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's obviously a challenging time for everyone. Uh, at the moment. So I think the big one, and it's probably, um, it goes beyond the COVID-19 period, but um, as a kind of overarching um, idea, I think, I think stress management has to sit um, really close to the top of that tree. Um, You look at modern lifestyles and the way that we, the way that we live and the pace at which we live, um, we're under a lot of stress. And from a, I guess, from an evolutionary point of view, we're, we're not necessarily designed for that um, high chronic stress that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So um, in terms of simple action points there with stress, um, relationships are a big one there, funnily enough, and, and socialisation and interaction, which obviously is quite difficult at this time. Um, a lot of people are spending a lot of time communicating with friends and family via you know, online measures and things like that, but that's a difficult aspect. Um, so for me, the big one and it's something I preach all the time is, is sleep is huge. Um, even in terms of stress, uh, we know that if you're you know, sleeping less than what you're required to sleep, you know, you're going to be in a, in a sympathetic state in terms of your um, nervous system. So for me at this time, and, and I'm trying to pay real attention to it myself, um, is getting good quality sleep um, as, a, as a number one. And there's a number of things you can do there. I think I think a big tip there with sleep at the moment, and, and we all probably fall into the the trap at the moment is, you know, and, and it's an actionable one is is not watching too much of the news. Um, you know, we all want to stay up to date with things that are happening in the world, and um, you know, even myself, I find myself googling it at night. If we're reading things that are um, potentially negative, which a lot of the COVID nineteen news is, we're not going to get that quality sleep. Um, so for me, what I've been trying to do is, you know, once I get home from work and, and put the kids down, the phone goes down with it and I'm not consuming any media in that hour or two hours before bed. Um, so I think a lot of people could probably take a lot away from that. Is is there a magic number, like for the amount of sleep that you're giving to your clients, telling them to aim for? Look, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, in the ballpark of seven and a half to nine hours is kind of the, the general um, guide. But again, it's dependent, um, it's dependent on your genetics. Um, so some people have a genetic predisposition for more sleep or less sleep. Um, but as a rough guide, you know, if you're, if you're getting beyond seven, seven and a half hours, you're probably, probably in a pretty decent spot. Um, and I'd probably hazard a guess that most, a lot of people out there are not even near that. Um, I know for myself when I, I thought I was a pretty good sleeper and get a good night's sleep. 
when I actually started tracking it, I was an hour or two hours um, less than what I actually thought I was getting. So a good idea for people, I think, is to actually, even if it's just for a few nights or a week, is actually trying to track your sleep a little bit um, and, and seeing how many hours a night you're actually getting compared to what you maybe think you're getting. Yeah, okay. So using like one of the Fitbits or the Apple Watch or something for that? Yeah, and again, those things aren't perfect, um, but you know they'll, they'll give you a decent guide, even just uh, from the point of view of, okay, what time did I actually get into bed? What time did I get up? You know, it's a really, a really simple one. Um, and I guess in giving yourself a, an opportunity sleep uh, to sleep, they call it um, sleep opportunity window. So if I know that I need to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to be ready for work, just make sure you rewind back eight hours from there. Okay, essentially I need to be in bed at the latest by 11 o'clock to give myself an opportunity to get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that idea, the idea of opportunity. So maybe Yeah, and from some yeah. of the... A lot of people, when you tell them to sleep more, um, that can also be a stressor. So if I'm laying in bed at night yeah. saying, oh, my coach said I need to get eight hours of sleep, well, um, sleep's one of those funny things. The harder you try to sleep, the, the harder it gets. Um, so I think as a, as a general baseline, don't worry if you're not sleeping. Just make sure you're giving yourself, okay, at least eight hours in bed, whether you're sleeping or not, it's immaterial, um, but at least you're giving yourself that opportunity. One, one big one for myself that I, I did a few years ago um, is I don't actually have my phone in the bedroom anymore. Yeah, it's huge. Um, just having it on the side outside the bedroom so I can't just pick it up and glance at it or whatever. Yeah. That really um, changed how I sleep. Jesse, stress management is obviously a big one. Have you got anything to add to stress management or is there other priorities that you kind of put high up on the on the chain for when you're you're dealing with your clients regarding their time outside the gym yeah yeah ultimately stress management is pretty huge like um, one of the main things to acknowledge is that our body doesn't necessarily differentiate stress whether it's a physical or a psychological mental emotional stressor it's going to have the same parasympathetic response in the body so um a big like it comes into training loads and volumes a hell of a lot when we do have access to the gym and even training outside of the gym as well. We're not going to work someone as hard if they're under a lot of stress outside of the gym as they would in it. So yeah, stress management is huge. Uh, to follow on with what Brad was talking about with sleep, um, getting that quantity there, but obviously trying to promote sleep quality is another big point as well. Um and what I mean by that is, is your bedroom set up as an optimal environment for sleeping and getting into those deep sleep cycles and yeah, spending more time in that um, REM sleep where we are going to recover a lot better. Um, yeah. Outside of sleep, I'll, I steal this from uh, Ben Pakulski. I'm a huge fan of and his methods um, breathe, walk and meditate. Oh, it's, the uh the first bit of advice he gives to everybody and of yeah taken that on board and implemented it to my own routines and the routines of people I get to work with and yeah it makes a huge difference um breaking it down piece by piece breathing be conscious of it how are we breathing is it nasal breathing are we breathing deep into our diaphragm or are we all sort of 
uh, chest dominant. We can do a whole podcast just on breathing, but um, and we will, <laughs> and we will <laughs> just yeah, being conscious of your breath and different breath work techniques and things. We'll save that for said breath podcast uh, to be announced. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, where do we go next? Breathe, walk, and meditate. So walking is pretty easy. Like most of us have the. Um, capability to go for a walk and the time to go for a walk it doesn't take a lot of effort and the results are definitely worth it I'm a huge fan of um, minimal effective dose with pretty much everything I do you can say that I'm lazy or you can say that I'm efficient I generally want to get the best bang from the minimum buck and I think that's a good way to approach yeah, you know most aspects um, yeah walking low energy costs and huge benefit. Just having the chance to get out and be with your thoughts, focus on your breathing while you're doing that. Again, I was <laughs> listening to one of Ben Pekulski's podcasts this morning, funnily enough, about breath work when you're walking and adapting to buffering carbon dioxide and dealing with it better and having that fitness carry over to, you know, training in the gym. It can be huge. And then meditation is the other one. Um, I don't think there's one perfect way to meditate that's going to look different for everybody. It's not necessarily sitting down cross-legged um, with your hands. You, you all know what I'm talking about. Um, it can look different to any, everybody and what that method might be. Like, I'm a meathead, no doubt about it. And... <laughs> So it might sound funny to people that know me, like hearing me talk about meditation, but yeah, different things for different people. For me, the way I like to meditate is just being conscious with my thoughts essentially and taking note, generally journaling of, you know, what's going well, what didn't go so well, what could be done better and being present with, the emotions that come up with that as well. I know it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but um, that's my way of doing it. Again, it's probably a whole podcast on meditation. Yeah. Breathe, walk, and meditate. Have you tried the Headspace app? I haven't personally, no, but I've heard good things about it. No, I have for a bit before. and I'm funny. I'll I'll jump into something like that, do it for a week, and then not use it again, but I'll keep like the the key points. Yeah. one of the things that I found helped me was while breathe, like focusing on your breathing is, is the basics of meditation. But the one that I loved with it was you kind of scan your body from the floor to the ground and you, you become conscious of the pressure that your body is placing on the seat and, and, and or if you're standing on your feet, how everything feels as you move through, like you kind of scan through your body. And for me, I, I I don't know what it was about that, but I found that one really helps bring me back to the present. So I actually use that um, when I'm folk, when I'm about to go for a big lift, um, like if I'm going for a squat or something, is it, just bring myself to the present by using that meditation. So meditation is very good for stress management, but it's also very good for putting yourself into the present um, and things like that. I'm going to bring it back a little further just to keep both of you on your toes stress management 
and we talked about stress and, and at a high level people probably know why stress is bad. But what 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 is stress doing to the body? Why is that such, such a concern for time outside the gym? I'll, I, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there, and I, I kind of, uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. I think the, and we think of, uh, I think the word stress um, probably brings up a negative um, image or connotation in the mind, but actually, stress, um, stress is a survival system for the body. Um, so again, if we if we bring it back from an evolutionary point of view, going back, you know, a long time ago, um, stress was essentially uh, our body's alert system. Right, so for instance, um, and you talk about this with me, David. You tell me there's no more bears chasing me anymore, which is great. I go for a run. But uh, back a few thousand years ago, there were there were bears chasing me, right? So that was an alert system for me. All right, there's a bear. Um, the body would mobilise hormones like adrenaline, cortisol, um, essentially to allow me to run from that bear. So uh, triggering the fight or flight response. Um, so in the context of that environment. Um, that was helpful to me. That kept me alive, kept me um, in a place where I could survive. If you look at where we are now as a species, um, essentially our stress response is still the same as it was when we were cavemen. Um, but if you look at our lifestyle now, it's, it's very different. So there's not necessarily any immediate threat to our survival as much as there was. Um, but I guess we uh, deal with a lot more lower-grade stress, but it's more of a chronic stress. So as soon as we get up in the morning, we're exposed to the news. We're going to work. We're getting stressed out from our boss. So we weren't necessarily designed to deal with stress on such a, a chronic level. You know, we would deal for stress maybe for 10 or 15 seconds or a few minutes, and then we'd back, be back to baseline maybe for a long period of time. So it's more that, uh, that low-grade, chronic, day-to-day stress that over time, um, you know, is, is not healthy for the body. Yeah, you can okay. probably expand more on that, Jesse. Yeah. Um, not really, to be honest. You pretty much hit the nail on the head there as far <laughs> as my understanding goes. So thanks for throwing me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, absolutely right. Like The stress is chronic in a lot of people's lives and we don't necessarily have the chance to switch off from it before. Like you said, from the evolutionary standpoint, we have that moment of stress where it triggers a reaction that's at that time a useful reaction. And then once it's gone, it can go away. So we get back to baseline, back to homeostasis. Instead of being consistently uh, bombarded, for lack of a better word, of constant stresses, whether it's um, like work, the home dynamic, your two dogs having a fight like mine did this afternoon. Um, mm. Or dare I say, yes. high-intensity interval training. Or Yeah. <laughs> on top of everything else mm, yeah yeah then throw that into the works of anything that involves anything high intensity if you ask me but yeah it's constant and we need to have a way to shut off from it and unfortunately our way of dealing with stress for the majority isn't necessarily a healthy way and that manifests in the form of whether it be alcohol consumption binge eating, things like that that aren't, um, yeah, helping our cause and not nourishing the body and probably not assisting the stress at all, if anything, adding more stress to the system. Yep. So, 
Right. Yeah, we need better ways of dealing with it. Cool. No, that that that's helpful. I think that just helps establish a bit more context and why why the stress um, response is, is something to be considered. Carly, I know you've been working with quite a few different clients recently. Um, what's the priorities you're placing on for help outside the gym for them? Yeah, and I'll just touch on some of the stuff the boys have already said. I um, agree with everything they've said, obviously. Um, I think um, what Jesse was saying with meditation, um, that was one of the points I kind of wrote down in my notes. Um, we need to be a lot more self-aware. Um, quite often in the gym when I've got people doing lifting, um, they'll be lifting to like a reps in reserve number. And I say to them, you've got to be really self-aware of kind of where you're at and where your body's at and all that kind of thing. Um, but even outside the gym, I know for myself, um, particularly because I am an anxious person and I do suffer with mental illness, um, self-awareness has made um, quite a huge difference in terms of how I regulate my emotions and um, look after myself in that respect. Um, So kind of going, okay, well, I am having an anxious day. I've woken up and I haven't felt great. Why is that? What might be contributing to that? Have I had a crap night's sleep? Have I... Um, not looked after myself, Jesse was touching on the um, people drinking and binge eating and things like that, even just um, using social media as a way of reducing stress. People think I'll just sit down, I'll veg out, I'll yeah. you know, watch news or watch TV or just scroll. Um, yes, our bodies might not be you know, exerting energy and you might just be sitting there, but again, your stress levels are going up going to go up like brad said watching the news you know social media even though it is um a chance to kind of switch off a little bit mentally you're still consuming stuff um you are still kind of you know there's people freaking out on social media as well um and as well even brad was saying with sleep a screen in front of your face that's probably you know a couple of inches from your face if you're lying in bed you know scrolling um, the blue light from that's going to impact your sleep as well. So there's a lot of things that kind of need to be taken into account. Um, a lot of people I've had lately, um, clients speaking to them uh, with COVID, um, looking after themselves in terms of just nutrition. Um, I've had a few people who have, you know, been struggling mentally a lot um, with that and their kind of initial go-to was like, all right, I'm struggling mentally. I need to get some good food in. I'll start tracking. And I said to them, look, I don't think now is necessarily the time to track. Um, they're clients that I've worked with already. I know them um, relatively well, a couple of them, and I don't think the extra stress of tracking for them at this stage is going to be helpful. I'm actually doing that myself. Um, I've, I've loosened my, um, my tracking lately. I'm kind of going for protein and looking at that number, but other than that, carbs and fats I'm not bothering about. I'm eating to satiety. I'm eating um, and focusing more on food for health um, instead of food for, for performance because at the moment I'm not training the same in the gym. Um, so, yeah, nutrition definitely is another one where you can kind of um, use it and enjoy it and eat for your mental health and physical health. Um, but, you know, often being athletes and being in the gym, we will, if it fits your macros, I'm going to have my carbs around training. And then, you know, in the evening I've got macros left over, so I'm going to enjoy X, Y, Z, which totally that's fine. It's calories in, calories out. But sometimes not tracking and sometimes loosening the reins on that will reduce stress um, because it is just another thing. There are calculations going over in your head and things like that and making numbers fit and stuff like that. So 
loosening your grip on that part of it and going, I'm going to have that apple and I don't care that there's, there's carbs in it, there's fiber, there's antioxidants, there's good vitamins. Um, enjoying the damn apple um, <laughs> or whatever um, I think is another really good one just um, for, yeah, health outside the gym. But that's still um, being conscious of the choices, though. It's not necessarily an excuse oh, to go off the, off the rails. No, no, well, that's the thing. Like, what, kind of, um, what kind of foods would you be recommending as, to, as a high-level principles? Well, I mean, for myself, just using my example, I, um, as I said, I'm still tracking my protein, um, but I'm not, you know, being as conscious of carbs and fats. But in that, I have been able to you know, fill my day more with um, my fruits and my veggies and I'm not tracking them. I know that for the most part, fruits and veggies are going to be a lot lower calories so I can enjoy more of them and I'm eating and I'm full and I'm satisfied but I'm also, you know, I'm having regular bowel motions because I'm eating lots of fruit and veggies and fiber. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I'm really enjoying that whereas previously I may have looked at it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really enjoying the fruit. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying eating the fruit. I'm not worrying about the carbohydrate content because I'm, I'm filling up on stuff like watermelon, which is such a low-calorie fruit. But at the moment, it's you know still in, in good season. It's bloody delicious. My kids eat it so we can all sit down and eat together and enjoy a social time um, for morning tea. Um, you know, I've made, David and I have been eating chicken soup for the last, like, what, three nights because it's freezing and I wanted to, you know, get some nourishment in there. Um, I, you know, it was easy to make. I'm filling up on veg. I'm hydrating at the same time. I'm having my proteins, you know, I'm enjoying some bread on the side. Um, but I'm not worrying about tracking because for me at the moment, it's not a priority, but I know I'm still nourishing my body. Um. Less poo talk. What else are we talking about, David? <laughs> no, I, I think that's all. They, they good nutritional points. Um, Jesse and, and Brad, with your clients, have you still got everyone going to down to a macro level, or you, you kind of how are you managing their f- nutrition and, and stress um, through the time? Yeah, I'll jump in here. Um, my general approach and having not long got back to lift three when all this started, I'm pretty much starting off how I normally would nutrition wise with my clients. Um, the first thing that I want to address is what the general relationship and behaviors are around food and what they value in terms of food, as well as trying to work out what sits well with them. Like, um, Allergies and intolerances are, you know, a lot of the time really easily identifiable, but other times not so much, and they tend to fly under the radar. So I think this is a really good time to just be a little more conscious of not necessarily what we're eating, but how it's making us feel. A couple of good things to look for are any excessive uh, bloating, gassiness, um, those afternoon energy slumps that – a lot of people tend to deal with and even just having, you know, generally a stable mood. A lot of that can come down to the foods we're eating and the way that we're digesting it. So I think it's a really good time to, yeah, pay more attention to the foods that we're eating and how they're making us feel. So 
that way later on down the track when we do want to get back into tracking, if we do want to get back into tracking, then we can generally feel a lot better while we're in that deficit or eating the foods that we digest better to like, you know, sustain a surplus even better. So yeah, good time to deal with that. Just be a little more conscious. Awesome. Brad, have you got any yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm probably, uh, I'm with Jesse there in terms of the relationship with food. I was probably, um, you know, a while ago, I was probably one of these guys that, you know, it was all about tracking, um, which is great. Tracking can get you to a goal. Um, but again, thinking about that, um, and Jesse mentioned it earlier, that minimum effective dose idea. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the time, uh, for me, tracking should probably be a little bit further down the line in terms of, um, I, don't, I don't think it should be the first, uh, the first step that we take. I think a lot of the time, in particular, when it's a, a weight loss, uh, a weight loss uh, type goal, um, a lot of the time we can get a, a lot of good success just by having people, even something as simple as keeping a food journal, um, without even making any changes or any conscious changes to their diet, just the fact that they're actually journaling and tracking their food changes some of those choices that they'll make. Um, I mean, to go back to sleep again, um, we know that if you're sleeping less than, I think it's less, I forget the specific study, I'll have to find it, but I think it's sleeping less than six hours a night. Um, they've done research on it uh, and people that were eating ad lib, so they could eat as much as they want. Essentially, if they were sleeping less than six hours a night, they were consuming four to 500 calories more the next day. Um, so, which is, which is huge. Um, so for me, if we're, if we're talking about weight loss and any sort of dietary intervention, it's like, all right, let's start with sleep just by fixing up the sleep. As the research has shown, we might be saving four or 500 calories a day there. It's, we're sorted. We're done. You know, so, um, I'm, I'm certainly with Jesse and, and Carly on that one. Yeah. I can provide anecdotal evidence for that one as well. I'm, I know I fit into that category big time. If I don't get for me, six hours I can manage. Obviously, I prefer to get closer to that eight. But if I sleep less than six hours, it's at least five hundred extra calories. Yeah. Probably three or four coffees as well. So, yeah, yeah, huge. I point. remember it, um, and I think it's where the calories are actually equated, but the the fat loss slows yeah, down. Yeah, that one as well. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, um, for those that are you know conscious of their calories and and um, are eating to a target, um, sleep that's hindered will slow that down significantly. Yeah. <clears throat> really makes a difference, hey? Huge. I think, and I think it's linked to uh, it's linked to ghrelin. I think they've uh, they've kind of worked out. So ghrelin's a, a hunger hormone. So I think. Um, you know, essentially when we're sleeping less than what's required, the body releases a lot more ghrelin, which is sending a signal to our brain, hey, we're hungry, we need to eat more. Um, so, again, get your sleep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's go round, round the table, as you were. And let, let, let's finish up with two, the two high priorities, and it can be something you've already mentioned, but two, an action point for each of those priorities that someone listening can take away and put into place um, straight away. Um, so let, let's, let's start where we started. So Brad, what's, your, what's the two biggest priorities and, and action points for each of those? Yeah, so sleep and one, one extra point that I was going to mention, which I'll mention now, in particular in these times with people having uh, schedules that are maybe 
um, you know, they're not regular schedules. Um, you know, you might be working from home, you might be working from home a few days a week. You know, everyone's um, schedules have shifted in some way, I think. Um, a big one for me, and it might not be uh, necessarily intuitive for people, big way for us to, to set our uh, circadian rhythm um, is to get up at the same time every morning. Okay, so regardless of whether, you know, we need to get up at 8 o'clock or I'm working from home today so I can have a sleep in, we're not getting up at the same time every day. Um, we're not, we don't have that really good rhythm in terms of our, our body clock and it's going to make it harder for us to get, in, get into that, uh, that sleep state at night. So I would say for people at the moment, even if you don't have to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, if that's your normal scheduled time, get up at 7 o'clock. Um, it's going to make a hell of a difference for you um, at the back end of your day. That was one point, but it was a longer one. <laughs> All right. Jesse? Yeah. Start doing the stuff that you otherwise wouldn't have the time for. Um, like sorting out your sleep schedule for one. But start that meditation. Um, the big benefit, well, the benefits you'll get from meditation aren't while you're sitting there um, in a controlled environment with your calm thoughts. And you guys both touched on this before is being able to be present and have control over your own reactions and how you're feeling in a different environment, whether it is getting ready for a big lift, whether it's um, in other stressful circumstances, whatever it might be. Um, Yeah. Start doing it now while you can, while you can control the space and do it easy. So you can do it better outside when we are back to the full swing of things. Cool. And that was only one, but the other one would be, yeah, sleep better. Yeah, okay, perfect. Carly? Um, I'll just kick it off with sleep better as well so that everybody really understands the importance of it. <laughs> We've all said it. <laughs> um, no. um, another one that I meant to say earlier and I didn't bring it up, um, because you took me off on a tangent talking about poo. Um, <laughs> um, something that just came to mind when I was kind of thinking about what we we're going to talk about is just negative self-talk. Um, so mental health and things like that, you know, we're often, we often talk about feeling anxious or depressed and stuff like that. Um, and you may not be um, somebody who suffers, but I think everybody at some stage in their life have, has had negative self-talk. Um, and I think, um, it's just something that really isn't, it's never going to be, um, helpful. It's never going to be, um, fulfilling. Um, you know, there's little things that you might say, it could be in terms of your, you know, how, what your IQ is, how smart you are, you know, what your abilities are physically, you know, what you look like. It could be anything, but, you know, I'm sure if we said those things aloud, if we said it to one of our loved ones, um, you know, how we felt about ourselves, they would just look at us and, and be appalled. You know, it's something that, you know, stuff I might say in my head to myself, I would never, you know, in a million years want my kids to say to themselves. And that's the thing. If we're not looking after ourselves and, and building ourselves up mentally um, and, and catching those things that we say to ourselves that often are automatic because they just become habit, um, yeah, that's something that we definitely need to look after. And, you know, if we're, building ourselves up instead of tearing ourselves down. Um, that's, you know, never going to be a bad thing. Yeah, that's me. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, <clears throat> that's gone on slightly longer than I thought we were intended it to. <laughs> it's a pretty big topic. <laughs> yeah, it'd be quicker if Brad didn't talk as well. <laughs> oh, well. I think there's, there's about uh, five podcasts that offshoot from this one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the thing. We don't want these to be Joe Rogan three-hour epics. If we can give people bite-sized thirty-minute, um... just give me a gong, David. Give me a gong. Give me a gong. No. But um, that's the whole point of this: is to give give everyone who's listening some some value. So hopefully you've all got that today. Um, you know, to go sort out your sleep, sort out your bedroom, um, put your phone outside the room. Get yourself an old school alarm clock. That's what I did, and that actually makes the difference. Um, and think about how you nutrition and meditate as well. So, thanks everyone for their time. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back at you with another podcast very soon.